Welcome to the Bible Questions podcast brought to you by BibleQuestions.org and the Holly Street Church of Christ. This podcast is dedicated to answering your Bible questions from the Bible. My name is Jeff, and along with Brian, we are the hosts of this program. Hello, and thank you for joining the Bible Questions podcast. Today you have Brian, Jeff, and Alan. And Jeff, it looks like we're going to be talking about dangers facing the disciples of Christ. And when we think about this idea of being a disciple of Christ, we could say that, you know, it's a follower of Christ. And certainly, as the Bible would describe it, it's someone who follows Christ in the way he would want to be followed, in my mind. Uh, anyhow, what are your thoughts about that? Well, and I think about, you know, Christianity in general, and a lot of appeals, you know, certainly to the world to believe that Jesus is indeed the Son of God, that he died for our sins. And for people to accept him as their personal savior, what I think a, a lot of groups might overlook are some of the uh, very challenging statements that he made while he was alive to those who would claim to, as you say, be a disciple or be a follower, which we'll kind of get into a lot more depth. But as you indicated, we've got Alan with us today, and so let me uh, let me tee Alan up and uh, introduce him, and then we'll kind of take it away. So, uh, Alan, welcome to the program. Well, I appreciate it, guys. I really enjoy these podcasts, and I'm I'm really happy to be here. And hopefully, the information we're going to share with our listeners today will be very practical and and very enjoyable for them to listen to. So, Alan, there's a passage over in Matthew chapter seven that says, "Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord." shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And I've always liked that passage because it's pretty easy to understand, right? There are many that call Jesus Lord, but yet they don't do what he says that they need to do. What are your thoughts about that passage? Well, that was the uh, introduction that I wanted to make this morning regarding dangers that we all face as disciples of Jesus. I've watched this for the last 40 years. And what I've seen is that there has been a definite shift from the doctrines and the warnings in the scriptures to grace. And that many people today have been so conditioned with the idea that God is going to be gracious that they are ignoring the powerful warnings that Jesus has given regarding the dangers that Satan still poses even to those who are members of the Lord's church. And so I wanted to take some time, and and many may think, boy, this is a darker side, but but it's in there. And we have to consider the fact that not everyone who calls themselves a disciple of Jesus is in reality a disciple that Jesus recognizes. And that's the danger, is that there are people being taught things that are not in the Scriptures. There are people who are being comforted and, and given great hope of eternal life when the sad reality is that Jesus won't even recognize them. The way that that passage ends in Matthew chapter 7 is, I never knew you. Depart, you who practiced lawlessness. And that's a terrifying thought. Can you imagine serving God your whole life, serving Jesus, loving Jesus, sacrificing for Jesus, and yet because somebody interjected something that was not in the scriptures, and Jesus has to say, you were not doing my Father's will, you were doing the will of the person who started your church, or you were doing the will of the founder of the church, which was 400 years ago, but you were not doing my will based on the scripture. And so it's a it's something that is not talked about a lot, 
because, as I say, the emphasis in today's culture is grace, and if you have grace, you don't have to worry about your sins. You don't have to worry about what you believe. We have a new new philosophy here in the United States, which is it doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you're sincere. Boy, does that ring wonderful, and boy, does that sound so good, but it's not in the scriptures, and it's it's Jesus does never, ever talks like that. And so our podcast today is going to be centering on some of the warnings that Jesus gave that we cannot afford to ignore. We just can't, because even though it puts more responsibility on us and it forces us to go through our conscience and go through our activities and and even repent and even feel badly about what we've been doing, but that's the natural process of being a Christian. Well, and it's interesting that, as you indicate, a lot of religious groups uh, emphasize grace, God's grace. Sometimes they'll, they'll encapsulate that in a term grace only. And they will, you know, in some ways uh, denigrate or say, you know, works have nothing to do with it. And yet at the same time, a lot of religious groups do a lot of uh, works, if you will, you know, in the name of Jesus. I mean, you know, very large church buildings or you know, hospitals and medical outreach and clinics or helping the homeless or feeding people and and a lot of, you know, seemingly good things. And yet, as you indicated right off the bat, starting in Matthew 7, uh, 21 through 23, uh, he's referring in that passage to people that claim a lot of, you know, wonderful things that have been done in Jesus' name. And yet, as you indicated, which surprises me, Jesus says, Sorry, you know, I never knew you. Everything you say you did, or not everything, but what you say you did in my name was lawlessness, had no authority, which which must you know, be an extremely shocking kind of statement, not only for you know, Jesus at the time, you know, to his disciples, but to us today as well, and all the various, you know, religious denominations. Well, and you make a good point. I guess what I'd have to say is this. We need to remember how we got into the position we're in in the first place. And the way we got into this position is that in the Garden of Eden, God said, don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the the knowledge of good and evil. And Satan came and Satan told Eve, you won't die. And God is going to, you're actually going to be benefited by committing this act of sin. And Jesus came to get us back on track. And being back on track simply means that God's will takes precedence over my own. When Eve did her will, she she started all of the things that have led to Jesus having to die on the cross. And so when the scriptures are written, and let's face it, the scriptures, there's 27 books in the New Testament, thousands and thousands of verses, and they are all revealing the will of God, and they are all revealing to us, and we have to look at the sum of what they're teaching. And certainly I can go over to Ephesians chapter 2 and read, by grace you're saved through faith. And yes, that's a massive part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he goes on to say, you need to put off the old man and put on the new man. He goes on to say that Jesus has given apostles and prophets and then evangelists, shepherds and teachers to equip the saints so that we will no longer be children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, but that we can grow up in all things into Christ who is the head. 
So there is a very important element to the gospel, and that is Jesus came to put us back on track. Jesus came to show us what's important and what's not important. And sadly, what we're seeing today is that the, peop- the same thing G- that Satan did in the Garden of Eden is exactly what too many people today are doing with the Lord's Church. And as disciples of Jesus, we've got to be aware of that. And we've got to understand that, like the Bereans, uh, it says in uh, Acts chapter 17 and verse 11, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and then they searched the scriptures every day to see whether these things were so. And boy, what a wonderful mandate. And that's what all of us should be doing. We should be reading our scriptures. We should be assessing the scriptures based on our life because they contain the will of God. And we need to set aside our will and put his will first. Sounds like, Alan, you know that early on here, we're really talking about is it necessary to do exactly what the Bible teaches, or do we have some latitude to do the things that we want to do? And, you know, I was thinking back, Jeff, to a podcast that we had a few episodes ago, uh, podcast 129, number 129, on unity and division, where people look around them and they see all these different religions in the world today. Why is that? Why are there so many religions? Well, because people are not only not following what the truth says, but they feel like they have latitude to take the church in whichever direction they would like. And of course, we know that that's inconsistent with God's word because Jesus preached unity based on his word and the truth that the Bible teaches. And so, Alan, I guess as we get more into this, we're really going to emphasize the fact that we can only be united if it's in the truth and that, the, that while we may have some latitude in non-doctrinal matters, if you will, we do not have latitude to change anything that the, the Lord would have us to do through his, uh, that we're taught through his word. And I like the way both of you have used the word will, meaning, you know, what Eve did in the garden, you know, listening to Satan. Because I'm looking at Genesis 3, 6. You know, the woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired, you know, something that was attractive to her and i think that's in some ways the danger you know that we all face is we you know we go to you know jesus as a a less disciple or follower and yet we bring along things that we might like to do i mean I, i think in terms of you know religious like worship and bringing into worship well the things that we like you know to hear and see uh, within you know worship services or the kinds of you know work that the uh, the local congregation does and supports you know the kinds of things that we like to see you know done and supported well it's it's not about us really when you boil it down it's about since it's Jesus' church we better be doing what he wants not necessarily what we want yeah and that's that's exactly where i wanted to go next if we if we look at Luke chapter 6 verses 46 through 49 which is a very powerful parallel to what Jesus said in in Matthew chapter 7 that we just read about not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord. Here he says in verse 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? And that's a critical part. What we're going to find out in this is that the scriptures are essentially self-contained and they don't want, God doesn't want anything brought into them. He wants us to follow every single thing in the scriptures. And he warns us if we go beyond those scriptures, uh, we don't have God anymore. 
And so when Jesus goes on to say, after making that comment, if you're going to call me Lord and not do the things which I say, then verse 47, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, he's building a foundation on rock. But verse 49, he who heard and did nothing. And I'm sad to say, but a lot of people who call themselves the disciples of Jesus today, that's what they're doing. They're hearing but they're not doing. Everything that Jesus said in the scriptures must be done. And if we don't do them, we're like a man building our house on, on the earth without a foundation. And he describes the two people like this. The one who was built on the rock, when the stream beats powerfully against that house, it won't fall. But when the stream beats vehemently on the person who is not listening carefully, then the ruin of that house is great. So these are warnings. Jesus gives two powerful warnings. And like I said, as disciples, we have to take that seriously because there's a lot of danger in the world today from people who are following the example of Satan. God gave Eve a direct command, don't eat of that tree or you will surely die. And Satan said, you will not surely die. And that's the same thing today. Jesus says, if you don't follow my word, you're not my disciples. And then Satan comes along through his followers and says, you don't have to worry about what Jesus said. You don't have to worry about what the apostles say. All you have to worry about is your faith, because we're saved by faith and by grace. But if, if we're going to listen to Jesus here, then we need to realize that these people, what they're telling us is not correct. Well, and to put a slightly finer point on it, there, there's a word we've been using that our listeners may not really pick up on the meaning, and that's the word Lord. I mean, a lot of people will say, you know, accept Jesus as your personal Savior, okay? But when we start using words like Lord, which, you know, honestly, in, in today's culture, you know, you, you don't hear that a lot except as, you know, swear words, that we're talking about Lord, master, you know, someone who is in charge, someone who, you know, gives orders or gives direction. And, you know, with, within our culture, sometimes we bristle at the fact of someone else telling us what to do. But that's kind of the concept here, not just Savior, but also Lord. And I know some kind of struggle with that uh, distinction as well. Yeah, Jesus came down from heaven to do the will of God and to teach us to do the will of God. There's probably six or seven scriptures in, in the Gospels and one in Hebrews that say, I have come to do your will, and my food is to do your will, and my meat is to do your will. And I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but, but the will of the Father. And over and over, and, and I think what people don't realize, Jesus said in, in John chapter 15, if you abide in my commandments, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I kept my Father's commandments and I abide in His love. And think about it. If Jesus had violated even one thing that God said, He could not have been our Savior because He would have been a sinner. And so when people today think that we can just live our lives the way we, can, we lived them before we became a Christian and just add, I believe in Jesus, uh, they're woefully, that, that, that's great danger. I mean, that, that, that's like living in a house that's on fire and because the room you're in is not burning yet, uh, well, I must be safe. No, you need to get out of that house and we need to get away from sin and we need to get away from our own will and do the will of the Father. And so 
when we when we think about this, and I, I think I think John chapter eight at this point would be a very important verse to interject into our conversation. And Brian, would you like to read that for us? John eight thirty one thirty two. Yeah. Here it says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So it's it's interesting here that Jesus is talking to people who already believe in him. He's talking to the Jews who believed in him. Well, today he'd be talking to the Gentiles who believe in him. And he's giving us a stern warning. If you remain within the confines of my word, if you do everything I tell you to do, if you don't bring anything in of your own will, then you are my true disciples. You are my disciple. Now, let's face it. For me to say I'm Jesus' disciple is not nearly as safe as for Jesus to say I am his disciple. As I said, those people in Matthew chapter 7 believe with all their heart that they were his disciples. But he said, I never knew you, and you will have to depart. You will never spend eternity with me. You will never be apart with me, because you did not do the will of my Father in heaven. And so, here again, the same thing. If you remain within my word, then three things follow. Number one, you're my disciples. Number two, you know the truth. And number three, the truth will make you free. So, Learning that, understanding that, and making certain that everything we do in the church where we are worshiping the Lord, and if that's not the case, we need to find another church because there are multitudes of churches in the world today, and every one of them has a different variant on the scriptures, and they're not all true. Matter of fact, most of them are not true. As Jesus said, many will say to me on that day. So, I want to make sure that the name of my church is in the word of Jesus Christ. I want to make sure that the worship that I do, that the way I became a Christian, that the church and the work that the church that I'm a part of is doing, it's all within his word. Because if it's in his word, we are his disciples and we are doing the will of God. But if it's not in his word, then we are doing the will of men because that's where it came from. If it didn't come from the scriptures, there's only one other source and it's from our own will. And Jesus has made it very clear here that if we do our own will instead of abiding in his word, instead of listening to his word, instead of doing the will of God, then we are, we're in grave danger. We think we're safe. But Jesus himself has told us, you're not safe. You need to do more. You need to start realizing something, and that is that Satan's still working today, and he's working through people who are contradicting what he himself is saying. So we need to be sure that what we're doing is what Jesus said and not what other people are telling us that Jesus said. Well, and even within, since you mentioned the word uh, disciple now several times, you know, even within that word, you know, from a definitional perspective, you know, a learner, a pupil, a student, one who follows the teachings of another. Just like with Lord, so you got that uh, on both sides of the uh, equation, you know, calling Jesus Lord, as well as following and doing what He's commanded, as you've said, even in the even in the words that we've been using, definitionally. Yeah, that's exactly right, Brian. You started to say something earlier. Yeah, you know, I was thinking of Second Peter chapter one, where you know the good news is God has given us, as we're told in verse three, you know, all things that pertain to life and godliness. So we don't have to wonder, you know, am I going to know? We're so far we're saying need to do exactly what the word teaches. 
And the good news is God has given us everything in his gospel. So we do not need creeds. We do not need individual thoughts of men. We just need the word or the gospel that we have, right? Specifically the New Testament that we live under today. And if we were going to summarize the three verses that we've just read, and I just want to remind our listeners, Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23, not everyone who calls me Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. Then he said in Luke chapter 6, 46, why do you call me Lord if you're not going to do the things that I say? And then finally here, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. And so we have three different passages that say exactly the same thing. If you're going to call me Lord, do what I tell you to do. If you're going to, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, do the will of God. If you want to be my disciple, abide in my word. If you want to be my true disciples, if you want to know the truth, if you want to be made free. And so every single thing that I believe, that I practice, and that the church where I'm a part of is doing must be in the scriptures. If it is not in the scriptures, then it is not the will of God. If it's not in the scriptures, then we are not his disciples indeed, and we are not doing what he said, because he was very clear here. And I'd like to take us to Second John 9, and now look at the other side of this coin. And Jesus said, if you abide in my now we find out, well, what if we don't? What if we add one little thing to our own thinking? So let's look at Second uh, John, and, and let's just read uh, 9 and 10. Jeff, would you like to read that for us, please? Whosoever goes onward and abides not in the teaching of Christ has not God. He that abides in the teaching, the same has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes unto you and brings not this teaching, receive him not into your house, and give him no greeting. So here's a challenge, and here's a mandate. The mandate is that if there's anyone that is teaching us, and the things that they're teaching us are not in the teachings of Christ, and they are also trying to convince us that it doesn't have to be in the teachings of Christ, that, that we have the right because of grace, because of mercy, because God is so loving and kind, we don't have to worry about his will. We don't have to worry about the teachings of Christ. We don't have to do what Jesus said. And that's what John is summarizing here. If we go onward, we don't stay within the teachings of Christ, then God is not with us anymore. Jesus will say the same thing in Mark chapter 6. He's, the Pharisees come to him and condemn him because they're not keeping, Jesus is not keeping his, their traditions. And Jesus says, that in vain do they worship me, teaching as their doctrines the commandments of men. And so if anything in my church, if anything in my convictions is not based on Scripture, but it is based on the traditions of men, then my worship is vain. We cannot go on. We cannot. We've got to stay within the teachings of Christ. So, Alan, when you talk about you know, the teaching of Christ, I could see some wondering, well, what does that mean, the teaching of Christ? Now, you could say, well, it means what it says, right? What he's teaching. But can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, I would love to do that. I, I often remind people that when Jesus died and returned to heaven, he'd even told his disciples, I have many things to tell you, but you're not ready for them yet. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth. And so what people have to understand is that everything we know about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were written by his apostles and prophets. Everything that we know about the early history of the church was written by the prophet Luke. And everything we know about the teachings, the doctrines, the aspects of our life, the 
responsibilities, what's sin and what is not sin, it's recorded in those letters, starting with Romans and going all the way through to the book of Revelation. And so the teachings of Christ is actually the 27 books of the New Testament. Some people think the teachings of Christ is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but what they fail to understand is that even Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were written by the apostles, uh, Matthew and John, and the prophets, Mark and Luke. And so what we want to see is that uh, throughout the scriptures, it's Jesus is warning us that my teachings, for example, in Matthew 28, uh, verses 19 and 20, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. So here we have everything we've just talked about. We have disciples, and we have observing all that I have commanded you. So the commandments of Christ are located in the New Testament scriptures. And so the teachings of Christ starts in Matthew and ends with Revelation and encompasses everything in between. And uh, John emphasizes that in 1 John chapter 4. He talks about the difference between those who are teaching from the world and the apostles and prophets that were sent by God. And so in verse 1 he says, they are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. Then we drop to verse 6, we are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So the spirit of truth, as Jesus said, uh, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? And not everyone who calls me Lord, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. And then John saying, uh, if we don't abide in the teachings of Christ, we don't have God. And here's why. We are of God. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, Peter, James, Jude, these are people who are of God. They were stamped. They were verified. They were certified. And so we are of God. And that's why the Bereans search the scriptures every day. He who knows God hears us. He who does not, who is not of God, does not hear us. So abide in the teachings of Christ means hearing what the apostles and prophets say. That's what Jesus said. Teach them to observe, and I'll be with you always to the end of the age if you observe everything that Jesus has commanded you. So the world has its teachings. And the, and, and the scriptures have its teachings. And there's always going to be a clash and a contrast, and there's always going to be people that want to be religious, but they don't want to do everything, and they're going to offer churches that will allow people to do the things that they want to do, uh, and yet feel not do what the scriptures say, and yet feel comfortable in that. And, you know, Paul summed this up. I think that he, he made it very clear, talking to the Gentiles and warning them about the responsibilities they have. And so, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, this summarizes everything that I've just said. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He's the one who died on the cross. He's the one who built the church. He's the one who bought the church. He's our savior. But he didn't write anything. He didn't reveal anything to us. When he died, there was nothing except memories in the minds of the people who were alive at that day. And it was at that point that 
the Holy Spirit came. And in Acts chapter 2, Peter preached that first powerful sermon and then continuing on until now we have the whole New Testament. And each disciple is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets if they abide in their word. But sadly, some churches have moved the foundation off of the apostles and prophets and onto the commandments of men and the traditions of men and what the what men think. And they no longer are on that foundation. If we're going to abide in Jesus' words, if we're going to stay within the teachings of Christ, we have to be built on the foundation, which means what I teach about salvation is found in the scriptures. It's on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. What I teach to be sinful, what I teach to be how the church should work, the work of the church, that's on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. If I abide in his word, if I do not go beyond his word, if I do the will of the Father which is in his word, and if I keep his commandments and call him Lord and do what he says. And so Paul really sums this up, I think, in 1 Corinthians 14, where he says in verse 37, if anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him admit or acknowledge that the things I write are the commandments of the Lord. And as a disciple of Jesus, I believe that, and I stand on that. And everything that I say about the church, everything that I say about sin and worship and and how to become a Christian and, and what the church is supposed to do, what Paul said are the commandments of the Lord. If I don't listen to him or if I if I supplement what he says with my own thoughts, I've, I've often illustrated my thoughts are, are like dirt and Paul's thoughts are like gold. My thoughts are not directed from God. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things God prepared for those who love him, but God revealed them through the Holy Spirit to the apostles and prophets. So I guess what I'm emphasizing over and over as I talk about the dangers facing Christians and facing the churches that these members of the, or excuse me, that these disciples are part of is that it has to be on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. It has to be in the teachings of Christ. It has to be uh, the will of the Father. And so as I look at what I believe to be my responsibility as a disciple, they better be founded in the scriptures and not in the teachings of men, because Jesus has been very clear about that. Yeah, as you were talking, I was thinking about the various uh, you know, religious groups and the various sources of their doctrines that they use that are in some ways beyond the scriptures. I'm thinking, you know, writers in the second, third, and fourth century, or councils and synods and various gatherings that pronounce certain doctrines. Or even you come forward into t- today's world where, you know, some religious groups have a, you know, central headquarters from which goes, you know, the teaching that, that that religious denomination is supposed to follow. Or even to the point where you have, you know, alleged modern day apostles and prophets that are, you know, ongoing teachings, they claim. So a lot of different sources beyond, as you're pointing to, the, uh, the New Testament scriptures. Well, that's exactly uh, the point that I think Paul was trying to make and John was trying to make and Jesus was trying to make. Here's the danger, you know, one of the dangers disciples face today is, last count, the last time I looked it up online, there were like 4,000 different churches in America today. 
And what we have to understand is there's 4,000 different churches because there's 4,000 different interpretations of the things the apostles and prophets wrote. Now, clearly, since truth is absolute, there can't be 4,000. Jesus died for his church, and he said, I will build my church, not my churches. And so what happens is these people form a group, and I'm not going to mention any names because I don't want to offend anybody at this point, but let's just face it. There are various denominations, various churches. Some are called cults, some are called uh, denominations, some are called Protestant. But the reality is, is that if you're a member of one of those churches, then everyone in that church agrees that what we're doing is right, and all interpretations are going to be based on, he's talking about us. He's talking about our doctrines, and that's where the danger is. We have to get beyond what we're being taught and actually look at the scriptures, like the Bereans did, and see whether what we're being taught is really in the scriptures or not. Because I'm going to tell you that 99% of what is taught is in the scriptures, but it's that 1% that's going to destroy us because Jesus made it very clear. You must do the will of my Father, not the will of man. You must not have any commandments of men in your teachings. You must abide in my word. If you don't abide in the teachings of Christ, you don't have God. If anyone teaches you anything different from that, don't receive him. And so uh, we've got to be built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So it's it's just, there's such a grave danger today because there's so many different churches that sometimes people throw up their hands and they just say, I don't know if I can find the right one. Well, you can find the right one. Pray to God for wisdom. Pray that God will lead you, read the scriptures, and look for the church that's actually teaching everything that's in the scriptures. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Alan, when you think about this idea of unity, even when Jesus came, he was very deliberate in making sure that everything that he spoke wasn't of his own accord or his own thoughts, but from the Father. And the same with the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus, you were touching on earlier how Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit or that, you know, the Holy Spirit did come to fully reveal all truth. You know, Jesus said in John 16, 13, however, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. So the Father, I know we're we're using, you know, the teachings of Christ and, you know, the truth from God and the Holy Spirit, but they were united as a Godhead because God was the source of truth and Jesus was simply conveying and the Holy Spirit was simply conveying what God wanted. And so there was unity between the three. And of course, Jesus said in John on many occasions that that was his hope for his disciples as well, that we be united. And as you've just pointed out, that can only be if we're using the same standard and we're not doing anything but doing what God had intended mankind to do. Yeah. And if you look at the various letters that are written to churches in the New Testament, you find that the apostles are constantly pointing out the traditions of men or the will of man that has crept into the church. The book of Corinthians, just again and again and again, Paul has to explain to them. You need to be practicing church discipline in chapter 5. You've got a fornicator among you and you need to remove him. Then in chapter 6, they're, they're going to court with each other. And Paul says that's a deficit and you should not be doing that. And then chapter 
uh, 11, he talks about the Lord's Supper and the abuses of the Lord's Supper. And then in chapter 12 and 13 and 14, he talks about spiritual gifts and the abuses of spiritual gifts. And and so, and, and we see this throughout the New Testament. Every time a church steps out of line, every time a church adds something that's not in the Bible or he removes, or they remove something that, that needs to be done, Paul's right on them. And it's not until after the death of the apostles that people were were able to start bringing things in, and then there was nobody to correct them, and all we had was the scriptures, and I say all we had, that's more than enough, but now it's up to us to search the scriptures and make sure that we're doing everything. But if you read the letters in the New Testament, it becomes very clear that God is deeply concerned about how we worship, our organization, how what we consider to be right and wrong, various elements. And that's all receded in, in our present culture. It's all receded into the background. And suddenly it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. And it doesn't matter because the grace of God is going to cover all of that. And once you're saved, you're always saved. And that's just not found in the New Testament. If you read through the letters, if you want to be in the teachings of Christ, then we've got to make some serious changes. Well, and one of the things that uh, you know we keep emphasizing throughout the podcast so far, personal responsibility. You know, as you were talking earlier, I was reminded of uh, Matthew chapter 15, uh, verse 14. Or we talk about, you know, being within a religious group, listening to the preacher or headquarters, etc. But Jesus warns again in Matthew 15, 14 about, you know, blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both fall into the ditch. So there's you know, certainly strong warnings that we as individuals need to be very careful about what we, you know, believe and practice and not just you know, go with the flow because the the preacher or the pastor or rabbi, etc., are you know persuasive. Sounds good, and there's a lot of people associated with you know that particular religious group or that particular local congregation. Yeah, and Jesus was just very, very firm on that. I often think about that passage in Matthew chapter seven, verse fifteen, where he says, "Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing." but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. And we don't hear a lot about that today. We don't hear a lot about these ravenous wolves. We don't hear a lot about wolves in sheep's clothing because today it doesn't matter what you believe, so there are no wolves. And it doesn't matter what you practice because God's going to take care of that for you. But Jesus said just the opposite. So when I assess my ability to be a disciple, I'm looking for these false prophets, and I'm looking for these wolves in sheep's clothings, and I know that they're out there. And so that's the difference between a genuine disciple who sees truth as exclusive in the scriptures and those disciples who have been duped and fooled by man into thinking that man's wisdom is equal to God's wisdom and that we don't have to worry about such things. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting at a base level, what we've been saying all along is the law of Christ, the New Testament that we will be judged by, right? Second Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9, is the standard. And it's been my experience, Alan, that you know, when you speak to many people in other religions and you ask them for Scripture, for what they believe, often they cannot cite Scripture. And that should be one red flag or warning to us that they're not doing what God would like them to do. If they cannot give you a passage or passages for what they're teaching, 
then how can they possibly claim to be following Jesus? And I think that's an important distinction. I know you've been emphasizing it all along, but I'm just encouraging our listeners to really look at any teaching and compare it to God's Word, because otherwise it's just their belief. If they can't give you, once again, passages or scriptures for what they believe, then we can't accept that, right? It must be rejected. Even at the uh, website, with a lot of questions we get, you know, submitted to the website, people will say, well, I heard this, or my preacher said that, uh, etc. And one of the first things we, uh, you know, try to steer them back to is, well, did they give you any scriptural reference, you know, book, chapter, and verse? Or did they just kind of make this stuff up? It may sound good, but unless you can trace it back to us, you know, the scriptures, and a proper interpretation of the scriptures, they're just making it up. You know, again, based on their think-sos or their desires or their tradition. Yeah, because a lot of people claim a, the Bible says a lot of things. It doesn't. <laughs> and hence why we have to dig into it. Right. And, you know, that's what Paul meant. When Paul said in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. So the word of God and that scripture that's where my faith comes from. If my faith comes from anything else, if my faith is based on human teaching, then it's not faith. Saving faith is based on hearing the Word of God. And I, I tell people, when, when you worship, you need to have a verse for every act of worship, and you need to have verses to know exactly how you're worshiping. Otherwise, you are not worshiping God by faith. And that's what in Hebrews chapter 4, when, or excuse me, chapter 11, verse 4, when he talks about the worship of Cain and Abel and how Abel's worship was acceptable and Cain's worship was rejected, and it was based on faith because Abel was doing exactly what God told him to do and Cain was doing what he wanted to do. And that's exactly what we see today. We see people who are worshiping God exactly the way he said to worship, like Abel did. And we see people today who are worshiping God the way they want to and the way that pleases them, like Cain did. So faith comes by hearing the word of God. Worship comes by hearing the word of God. And submission to Jesus comes by hearing the word of God. So Alan, uh, some really good thoughts today. Appreciate what you've been teaching about abiding in the word and dangers facing disciples. Can you give our listeners just kind of a few takeaways that we've discussed that they might think about as we wrap up this podcast? Yeah, yeah, I'd be glad to do that, Brian. In Jude verse 3, Jude says, I wanted to write you concerning our common salvation. And this uh, podcast is what Jude said. I couldn't because there were certain men who had crept in, and therefore we have to contend earnestly for the faith. So I want our listeners to understand, I mean, this this was seemingly a very negative podcast, and yet so important because we have to contend for the faith. So when Jesus says, not everyone who calls me Lord is going to enter the kingdom of heaven, that gets my attention. When he says, I never knew you, depart from me who practice lawlessness to many disciples, that catches my attention. And I realize that Satan is like a roaring lion. I need to be sober. I need to be watchful. Because as Jesus goes on to say, don't call me Lord unless you're going to do what I say and abide in my word if you want to be my disciples. And then John telling us, if you go beyond his word, you don't have God anymore. And so the responsibility is on us. When I stand before God on the judgment day, it's going to be me, my life, and the scriptures. And it's not going to be the preacher or the elders or anyone else. 
It's going to be me and the scriptures and what I chose to believe and what I chose to do based on scripture. And so we just wanted in this podcast to show people that the dangers that are recorded in the scriptures have not passed. When people today tell us, oh, don't worry about those things, don't worry about the scriptures, don't worry about what you believe, as long as you're sincere, and they talk about Paul as if he's just a man, and that we can just do whatever we want to do, and that if, if we don't accord with his words, well, times have changed. And all of that is a lie. It's, it's a lie from the devil. And so I just want to help people realize that when we stand before God on the judgment day, it's going to be the scriptures, and not men, that is going to determine or whether we spend eternity with God, or we are cast away forever. So, Alan, as we look at part two of this particular subject, can you give our listeners an idea of what you'll talk about next as it relates to this idea of dangers that are facing disciples today? Sure. Yeah. We've covered, I think, maybe eight or ten scriptures in this podcast, and there's probably 50 or 100 that are dealing with this same subject. And so what we want to do in our next podcast is just go from to the next scripture that deals with these dangers that we're faced with and just helps us to round this out. You know, it's it's like when you're drawing a picture. First, you, you take the pencil and you draw the rough outline, and then you come back and you take this color and that color and you, you fill it in. And so this podcast is just kind of the pencil drawing. It's just kind of giving us the basic format. There are dangers. There are going to be people who think they're saved, who are not saved. There are going to be people who don't have God, even though they think that they do. And so we wanted to lay this foundation. And then in our next podcast, we want to get a little more specific on on the colors and the textures and the things that we really need to watch out for. Yeah, Alan, thanks. I really look forward to part two, because as you said, this is a very broad subject, but also one that's very, very important. And so certainly look forward to that second part. So Jeff, uh, how about some additional material for our listeners that they want to dig into this a little bit deeper into our next podcast? Absolutely. So if you go to our website, biblequestions.org, and if you look under the topics menu item, let me offer a few. A for authority, which in some ways is what we've been emphasizing, the need for authority, establishing authority for everything we say and do from the scriptures. So A for authority. E for Bible study, which would give you insights into how you can actually study the scriptures, interpret the scriptures, etc. And then O for obedience, which is what we've been emphasizing a lot in today's podcast, not just knowing, but actually also obeying. And then we also, under the lessons menu item, have a couple of online lessons that people can read the material, answer the questions, uh, submit their answers, and actually submit their answers to Brian, who will review the answers and provide feedback and then links to uh, subsequent lessons. There are two series I would highlight. One is Bible Basics. The other is interpreting the Bible all together, you know, both the topics and the lessons. Hopefully we'll give our listeners a lot of material to read and study and help them grow further in the knowledge and obedience to God. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Bible Questions podcast. We invite you to visit our website, biblequestions.org, where you can submit a Bible question to be answered. 
And you can also search archives where we have answered several hundred Bible questions over the years. Our website also has a host of free Bible study material, free correspondence courses, as well as sermons and a host of other material. Please stop by and check it out.